Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Recently, we were talking about uh, max pooling and convolutional convolu- convolutional neural nets, uh, and that was a pretty cool episode. And you kind of left it on a cliffhanger. I'm hoping maybe we can resolve that. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Capsule Networks, here we come. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Yep, so just a quick recap for anyone who missed it last time. Uh, We were talking about convolutional neural nets and the architecture of them and how they're state-of-the-art for doing image recognition and classification and that kind of thing. And part of the reason that I wanted to go through that was as a prereq for this episode and... uh, probably at least one future episode where we talk about capsule networks. So a little bit of history here. Jeff Hinton is a researcher who works in neural nets. He's uh, arguably the person, the single person who's done the most to invent the field of modern neural nets, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, Totally brilliant researcher and played a pivotal role in inventing the convolutional neural network. We were talked a little bit more in uh, a previous episode about their structure, but one of the things we spent some time on is that they have these convolutional layers, and then they have a layer called the the max pooling layer. And one of the an interesting quotation from Jeff Hinton recently, he says, "The pooling operation used in convolutional neural networks is a big mistake, and the fact that it works so well is a disaster." So this is a person who uh, has revolutionized the field of artificial neural networks with this uh, max pooling operation, and he's kind of trashing it here. And it's because uh, he thinks that there's something better that we should be using instead, and that's what a capsule network is supposed to be. A disaster is... That's really strong language. I know. Fighting words, right? Yeah. So anyway, so what are capsule networks? Well, I think, first of all, it's worth talking a little bit about, uh, we talked last time about how convolutional neural networks. I think it's worth talking about a little bit, what are some of the things that it's not great at? And so convolutional neural nets, they can use these increasingly complex layers of sort of feature detectors to come up with features that um, are sometimes human recognizable as input features into some kind of image recognition. So the example that we gave last time is if you have an image that has two eyes and nose and a mouth, then it's probably going to classify it as a face if it has that option. The thing that's a little bit funny though, is that it just has to see two eyes and nose and a mouth. But you and I both know that that's not the same thing as a face, because if you were to take both of my eyes and put them on my cheek, and then you have my nose on my other cheek, and then maybe my mouth on my forehead. Uh, that's an orientation of two eyes, a mouth, a nose, and a mouth. Uh, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. But it doesn't make a right, face, right? Right, right. Yeah. So the 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 structure matters too. The structure does matter. Yeah. And so that's one shortcoming of a convolutional neural net is that usually they're not smart enough to. Uh, to know that it has to have that global structure. It's looking for all of the pieces, but it usually isn't looking at it at a high enough level that it knows the relative orientation that they have to have to each other. I see. So that's one thing. 
And then this is kind of related, actually. Another thing that's not great about convolutional nets is that they take a lot of images to train. Typically, you have to have thousands or tens of thousands of images in order to get a really good convolutional neural net image classifier. And so as an example, if you wanted to have an image classifier that can classify images of my dog, then you would need to have my dog uh, sleeping, you would need to have my dog looking out the window, you would need to have my dog looking all excited because she's waiting for a treat, you need to have my dog rolling over and kicking at the sky. But I remember the first day that I brought my dog home, and I had never seen her uh, say fall asleep, for example, because I had just adopted her and you know, we hadn't known her for more than a few hours and she had been awake the whole time, but it wasn't like I looked over at the couch and there's a sleeping dog. And I said, Oh, I've never seen this dog before because it was asleep. Like, yeah, my dog's asleep, you know? Um, so even though I had never seen it in that exact position before, like I, I knew what was going on. And so that's something that our brains can do very easily, but that a convolutional neural net could get really confused by because it's like, I've never seen a thing in this position before. I will classify it as a truck because I, I do not know that dogs sleep, you know? So that's that's another uh, shortcoming of convolutional neural nets is that that means that you have to feed them with lots and lots of data so that it can see every different pose that an, an object could be in. Right. And I use the word pose here uh, on purpose. It's kind of a technical term. In graphics and other applications, actually, pose has a technical meaning. It's sort of like the orientation and position of an object. And so the idea of a capsule network is that we want to have a neural network that's capable of recognizing that there's that there can be a single object that you can look at from many different angles and from many different positions. And it remains the same object, even though the, the pixels and their orientation sort of are changing around as you're changing your view of it or as it's changing its pose. And so a capsule network is supposed to, in the architecture of the neural net, represent that there's an object here and it's just changing its pose. And so it'll still recognize that it's the object even though it looks different from any way that has ever seen it before. That seems crazy to me because, like, I guess the way that I I probably naively would imagine that the computer would have to solve this is to infer a three-dimensionality to the object to understand what the different poses are in the training data and then when it's looking at an image and trying to ascertain whether it's the the dog or not, for example, that it would also then need to infer or, um, I guess, guess at the pose of the dog in the photo it's looking at to figure out whether it matches. But that seems crazy to me. That that seems so far outside the scope of what we've talked about around neural nets. So I'm wondering, like, does this have a totally different architecture or... Or is it uh, an application of ideas that have already been in the in this space before? Yeah, no, it's a pretty different architecture. So the fundamental structure of the neuron changes. Um, before, we talked a little bit about neurons in the last episode, but the idea is that it's the fundamental unit of a neural net, and then neural net is made up of many of them in a certain configuration. Hmm. And what it is is it's, uh, for a simple neuron, it's a fancy 
uh, it basically takes a bunch of inputs, multiplies them by a bunch of weights, and then creates an output with a convolutional neural net. It gets a little bit more complicated because there's kind of this 2D grid if there's a convolutional layer, and then that creates multiple outputs, and then you take the maximum, typically, of all of the outputs, and that's what max pooling is. And But the point is that it takes a bunch of numbers, and then it creates another number. Capsule networks, what they do instead is that they take a bunch of vectors and they create another vector. So it's creating several mm. different numbers that are representing uh, different things. And so that's something that's pretty different. And as I understand it, I'm not a, a historian of neural nets or anything. I think this is the idea that you might want to have a neural net with this architecture is something that's been around for for some time. Uh, the thing that Jeff Hinton and his group have figured out uh, quite recently in the last year or so is uh, some of the details of how to actually train the network so that uh, you can get all of the capsules sort of hooked up and weighted the way that uh, that they need to be for it to be a good image recognition. So these are all technical details that we won't go into this week. We'll do this in a, in a future episode. Um, but all this to say that No, the underlying architecture of the neural net itself is fundamentally different. Okay, so we've been talking about how it's able to identify things that are in different poses, which is pretty cool. Is that the uh, the main thing it does better than convolutional neural nets? Well, I guess you could say that that's the heart of how it's better, but Mm. specifically, if there are things you care about, it seems to be posting results that are competitive with state-of-the-art neural nets on certain types of image recognition tasks. So, you know, I would say by no means is this as well understood of an architecture as the convolutional nets, but early signs are, are promising. And that it can be, I think it can be pretty slow to train, uh, but it doesn't require tons and tons of data. So if you feed it one picture of the Statue of Liberty, or, you know, maybe two pictures of the Statue of Liberty, it'll figure out that the third one is also the Statue of Liberty. It, it's not wow. the kind of thing where it has to see it from every single angle in order to figure out what's going on. So it's it's basically a Katie replacement from your dog's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm kidding. So I think just to wrap up this sort of non-technical description with a, a semi-technical metaphor... Um, Mm -hmm. So you work in video, right? Yes. Uh, So you're familiar with the idea of, like, graphics rendering? Yeah, yeah. It's basically you've got a number of um, instructions that you've created that are representing something, maybe a layer hierarchy or something, and then you have a process that converts that into your, your nice flattened, grid of pixels for every frame that, and you do 24 or 30 frames a second or whatever. And that whole process is called rendering or compositing. So if you're something like a video game designer and you're creating images, let's say there's an image that you have of a tree. And so depending on the angle and the position of the tree, uh, it might look a little bit different, although it's it's still right. the same you go underlying from a- tree. You go from a 3D model to like a rasterized image of a 3D model. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of a generative process that happens all the time with computer graphics. So in some ways, if you want to think of it that way, 
this a caps net is kind of like the inverse of that process where it thinks about all the different uh, poses that an object could have and reverse engineers from that like oh this looks like it's the same object and this is what it would look like <laughs> if i were to look at it a little bit of a different way that's really cool i i hadn't thought of it that way but that's that's pretty cool yep so i recognize that we have skirted around all of the interesting technical details um oh we does promise- this mean that we have an, an episode coming at some point that's yes. digging a little deeper yes i'm making a commitment to uh continue the conversation in uh you know the next episode or one shortly after that or whatever soon right okay um, i will brace myself and because uh, you know I, I i would like to hope that i will understand this and i will try my hardest to 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 lay it at a you know, on a silver tray at, at your feet um but until then <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah uh really it's it's really pretty cool these are some of the more uh this is one of the more interesting and and revolutionary uh neural net architecture algorithms that we've seen in a long time and like i said coming from one of the great uh the giants of the field so uh, a lot of people are really excited about this so computer vision might be a field that's getting very exciting in the next couple of years Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.